Welcome to series seven of your hospital ball. Opening our new series is cult hero Jamie Reed, a player who swapped Bangor City for York City in January 2011 and instantly impressed supporters with a cameo debut at Bolton Wanderers in the FA Cup before showing his goal scoring abilities that ended in 25 goals in his two year spell at Bootham Crescent. This episode is proudly sponsored by York Foot Golf, one of the best value activities in York, perfect fun for all of the family and only a short drive from York Ring Road. York Foot Golf is the new way to play ball. For more information, please visit yorkfootgolf.com, www.yorkfootgolf.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating via justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. Justgiving.com slash York Hospital Radio. No matter how big or small the donation, it really does make a huge difference to the charity. For now, please enjoy Series 7, Episode 1 and the brilliant Jamie Reid. Well, thanks for joining us, Jamie, and, and thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. And I wanted to sort of okay. start at the back at the start of your career. I know you started at Wrexham, but I never quite That's realised right. how many York City links there were back then. I mean, you had Michael Ingham, Sean Pedic, and uh, Levi Mack and his teammates, and Dennis Smith was your manager, I think, wasn't he? Oh, Dennis, brilliant. Funny enough, we, we had a charity game a couple of years ago now that I played in. It was like a York Legends game, and um, and Dennis Smith was one of the managers on one of the sides, and I'd not seen him in probably 10 years, so it was nice, it was nice to have a catch-up. But no, he, he was a brilliant guy he was the one that sort of gave me my, my opportunity he was brilliant in bringing me through I had a lot of belief in me so yeah he was great and it was it was a good start for me there to be fair yeah and you, you made your pro debut away at Wickham where you came on for John Walters who obviously went on and played in the premiership and by my reckoning you must have been only about 17 I think when you made your debut I mean how much do you remember about it yeah I remember the whole thing to be honest I had a really good chance I took a touch and it just went wide but in terms of the actual game for me personally it was brilliant because it was my debut but for the team, we got beat for once, so it, it was obviously bittersweet. But it was just nice to get the opportunity. There was myself, someone called Mike Williams, who was also my age, and we both made our debut on the same night. Wrexham were struggling money-wise at the time. They were looking straight down the barrel of administration. I don't think it had quite happened at that point. It was great for youngsters like ourselves. We, we got the opportunity, which obviously helped us kick on. But yeah, it, it was just unfortunate the circumstances it, it was in, really. There were some real good players in that squad, wasn't there? I mean, Darren Ferguson, Paul Warhurst. Yeah. Matt Derbyshire, Jim Whitley as well. I mean, that must have been a real good apprenticeship for you, even with that off-field problems that Wrexham had. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it was League One at the time, which is, I mean, if you look at League One now, it's, it's brilliant and it's a great league and the squad that we had was great. I mean, John Walters was always willing to sort of help. He would have been quite young at the time himself, so he would have been only been 24, 25 himself at the time and I was a kid coming through and he was always willing to stay behind and do shooting practice and help with little hints and tips and I still use one to, uh, still to this day of, to trying to shoot with your left foot so obviously I'm right footed but I do score quite a few in my left and it, it's all come from one little tip that he said and I, I can't even put it into words to be honest I just know what to do when it, when the ball drops on the left now but yeah I mean things like that it, it was brilliant yeah it was it was great and I, I couldn't push it enough for a young player to try and be in and around a first team I mean I was lucky it was League One and it was around some good players and but yeah it, being in and around a first team environment 
and just really helps you grow up. So you, you had some interesting loan moves as Wrexham tried to sort of develop you, including one at Aberystwyth where I think you scored a, a hat-trick sort of quite early on, didn't you, against TNS? Is that right? Yeah, it was my home debut. <laughs> so we had TNS who just won the league. I think it might have even been the season they played Liverpool. No, I think it was the season after actually. Yeah, so obviously they, they were the big side, they were the full-time team and went in there and, and scored a hat-trick. So yeah, it's, it started off really well and I sort of went on from there really and, and had a good first half of the season because I was on, I only stayed there till Christmas. And one of the other loan moves as well I noticed was at Gary Mills's Tamworth and I just wondered what was that like and, and did that sort of sow seeds in your head about working with Gary sort of later on in your career or, or was that just sort of pure coincidence that you ended up at York under Gary? No, it was obviously linked when Gary first made contact with me to, to sign me for York. It was a phone call. I was actually watching my brother play for Man United. He was uh, under 10s or something at the time down at Carrington watching that and I got a phone call off a number I didn't recognise and he was he told me who it was and obviously I remember straight away we, we discussed like things that had happened in, in the past and yeah and, I mean in terms of Tamworth it was okay I wouldn't say it was a shining light of my career I went there and, and did okay he wanted to re-sign me for the following season so I'd gone there then got recalled after two months and broke my ankle in the first reserve game back at Wrexham so there'd been a minute managerial change as well at that point so I'd been released I'd broke my ankle Brian Little was the manager and he released me and yeah he, he was looking to try and re-sign me but I had other plans I, I was quite keen on going to play out in America or Australia I wanted to look abroad and he was trying his best to tell me not to but I was just adamant on that. I, I was, I was trying, I was hoping to try and get a scholarship or something out there. But then I ended up signing for Real. I got a, a decent offer to, to sign for them, and it just happened that way, really. You had a good career with Real, didn't you? I mean, that, that one season you were there, you got 13 goals, and you were part of a side that won the Welsh Premier League. And then, yeah. then I've got down here about that move to the MLS. So how does that sort of come about? Do you, do, you, do you kind of have an agent at that stage and just trying to get yourself touted abroad? What were the steps that you sort of went through to try and? Uh, get that it, I just did it all myself. I mean, to be fair, I actually did use an agent. It, it wasn't an agent personally. But he ended up actually becoming quite a bit of a friend. And so that came through a friend who I went to school with. So there was a, a player called Andy Dorman. I don't know if you recognise the name. Um, he played for like Palace and Bristol Rose over here, St. Mirren up in Scotland. But he was out there playing for New England Revolution at the time. But his brother I was friends with from school, or both of his brothers actually. And I just got in touch with him and said, can you help me out? And look, this is what I'm looking to do. He knew about my career and things like that and put me in touch with his agent. He just helped me get out there and get training with clubs and, and see what it was like, really. It was a good experience. I kind of wish I'd have stayed so I, I went training with New England Revolution I was there for three weeks did really well and thought I was going to get a contract off them as well as like other players around me and, and things like that and it just didn't materialise mainly due to the fact I was English and there's only a certain amount of foreigners you can have in, in the squad and my name wasn't big enough to warrant one of them positions and don't you almost have to sign for the league don't you over there I think I've, I've heard on another yeah, podcast that's right, yeah. to kind of move you about wherever just depending yeah. on where someone fits I think that's it I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it's very similar to like American football, baseball, things like that. It's on the same model. So it's all franchises. And yeah, I remember there was a, a player at the time who was playing for Revolution. Celtic would like really wanted to sign him, Shalvey Joseph. And he was having a lot of issues with the league because he wanted to go, but they wouldn't release him from his contract. It was all weird, yeah. I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know much about it, but it was, it was pretty weird. <laughs> well, you then had two years with Bangor City where you scored 48 goals in 61 games, including a goal 
all in the Welsh Cup final and you won another league title as well with them. I mean, did it just click for you at that club? Because obviously you had had a good season with Real, but but not at that extent that you did with Bangor where you got so many goals. You could say that, yeah. My sort of reasoning behind it, or this is how I position it, is the fact that I come off the back of the season with Real, went to America. So I didn't have an off-season. I didn't have a pre-season. I was just training all the way through, went straight into the season with Bangor. I think I played, played one pre-season game with Bangor and then went straight into the season, just continued, carried on, come to the end of the, the season with Bangor, won the Welsh Cup and then we went straight to Australia. I was there for three or four months as well and then straight back into the season. I literally arrived back in the country on something like the 6th or 7th of August and the first game was on the 10th, the first game of the season. So it was, it was literally back-to-back seasons. I pretty much did three seasons in one, going all the way through to York after the 10-11 season, so my, my first half season. So you were almost sort of like just permanently match fit then, I guess. Yeah, that's sort of my view on it, really, because when I joined York as well, it was kind of hit the ground running. It, it was it was tough for me to get a game at first, but once I got myself into the side, I was I was still fit and I was scoring, which was, I mean, I think, what would I get, nine or ten or something that towards the end nine, of that season? Was... Nine and twelve, we're going to come on to that yeah. <laughs> in a second. When you did join York, it, it was a bit sort of protracted, wasn't it, the, the transfer? I, I vaguely remember sort of rumours of you signing sort of two or three months before and then it, it didn't sort of go through till January, I, I remember. That's right, yeah. So it was all to do with the transfer windows. So basically, initially, a bid was put in in October, November time. So I, I was flying at that point. I'd scored about 15 by October, 10 to 15. I'm not, can't, I'm not sure on the numbers. So Millsy got in touch, put a bid in for me, got rejected straight away. And then we were discussing the situation and basically it was kind of like he thought because of the way the English system works so if say for instance he wanted to sign a player from another club in England wherever it is on the pyramid although there's the transfer windows they can still do it so it'd just be an emergency loan until the transfer window and it becomes permanent but that couldn't happen because it was classed as an it was an international transfer so that's how it got all awkward and it ended up settling down until January came and I was just buzzing it it went through in the end to be honest it had gone on for a long time and I got a a little bit nervous towards the end of December um, that it wouldn't go through but buzzing when it happened Banger to York's a good three hour trek isn't it I mean was it was it always sort of your chance to sort of play in England again was was Gary Mills a big factor in you coming what were your sort of reasons for for wanting to Um, come to York bit of both really so obviously Levi was there I went through the youth system at Wrexham with Levi Uh, obviously you mentioned Ingy as well before and Ingy was, he was a first team player while I was a youth team player and, and then I obviously sort of stepping into the first team. It was quite a good mix the way it was done. The youth team mixed with the first team quite well on a daily basis. So we were all part of the same changing rooms and all that sort of stuff. So I got on well with Ingy anyway. Um, so th- there was those little things. I spoke to Levi, I spoke to Pedge as well about what it was like up there. And at the time... I had a lot of interest because I'd started the season so well. I had a lot, a lot of interest from from certain, from a few different clubs, but nothing really actually materialised. York was an, actually was the only bid. I knew Gary Mills. I knew how he worked. I liked the way he approached uh, he approached everything. And it just felt like the right fit. In hindsight, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you made your debut at, at Bolton Wanderers, didn't you? Away in the uh, FA exactly. third round. I yeah. mean, I just wondered how, how many training sessions had you had with the teams. I sort of remember it was that week. I think that you 
signed, wasn't it? Two. So I signed on the Wednesday, trained Thursday, Friday. I wasn't sure it was actually going to go through. That was that was sort of a race against the clock to get the international clearance through. Everyone sort yeah. of remembers your first touch in that game where you just sort of put yeah. it out of a out of the sky. And I think but I think yeah. York fans sort of cheered as if it was a goal. I think the sort of five thousand that yeah. had travelled. I mean, was that just sort of your confidence at the time to just do that? And you know, because sometimes people can be nervous on a big stage, can't they like that? But you've chosen to yeah. do that. I think I was just quite raw at the time. Like if it happened now, I'd be a little bit more nervous because I understand the game a little bit more now and understand the pressures with things whereas at the time I was, I was literally living on the crest of a wave and I'd gone from like I said season to season to season it was just getting better and better and better and I mean that was my prime that period and I was yeah full of confidence the occasion didn't phase me one little bit the only thing I was disappointed was that I didn't start to be honest with you and I, I, thinking back I, I, I think it's ridiculous that I even thought like that I'd not played with the team or anything yeah it was just nice to get on and it, it was good yeah York gave a fantastic performance that day didn't they? I mean I think to someone who just sort of saw the score later on as a neutral you know 2-0 to Bolton probably thought it was routine but I think York were always yeah. in that game weren't they and were you sort of thinking on the or maybe on the coach on the way back thinking wow you know this team have really given a Premier League side a, a good game and were you sort of excited about the rest of the season from, from that game I mean I was excited anyway because I, I was just there I'd got to a stage where I'd given up on full time a little bit mentally the reason it was so tough for York to sign me was because I'd signed a three year contract with Bangor for them to pay for a personal training course for me to qualify as a personal trainer so I was looking at my career outside football before I signed so for me to get that opportunity again and just buzzing like I said before and I think going into that or the end of that season I, I just couldn't wait to sort of get going and I did get quite a bit frustrated actually just did take me five or six games before I actually got an opportunity I was going to say what is it like sort of joining a team sort of midway through a season is, is it a bit like the sort of first day at school is it quite nerve-wracking sort of going I mean like you mentioned you knew Levi and, and Michael and Gary but sort of yeah. other players that you've never met before because you've, you've played predominantly your career in the in the Welsh Premier League so was it a bit daunting? I've got one of them personalities that doesn't really phase me meeting new people and walking into a changing room and that sort of thing doesn't really bother me but yeah, it was a baptism of fire I walked in and first thing that happened was the gear that I got I was wearing just got hammered by the lads what are you wearing this <laughs> and the other is but it's like that's funny enough I was watching a Kenny Dalglish's documentary last night and he was talking about when Ian Rush first signed for him and obviously it's no comparison but in terms of where the actual site and Ian Rush is quite shy he's known to be quite shy and he's gone in and everyone in the changing has just hammered him and they were like it's just that's how it works and it's just sort of like it's a welcome more than anything if you if you take it the wrong way then you usually fail if you take it the right way which in the way in the spirit it, it's put across I'm sort of relieved aren't you because if you had yeah. kind of gone in the dressing room and no one had talked to you and you'd been ignored yeah. you'd have gone away thinking oh how am I going to fit in whereas there you, you know you almost yeah. know straight away there's that, that, that sort of banter isn't there in the changing yeah, room yeah exactly yeah and it, it was it was good and uh, it was a great set of lads the changing room just improved over and over over the following three years you sort of scored goals straight away didn't you I think I, I noted down nine goals and 12 starts and one of them was against Luton Town which obviously immediately yeah. endeared you to the, to the supporters <laughs> York was sort of chasing a playoff spot weren't they and they just sort of ran out of games almost towards the end but were you sort of confident going into that summer that the team weren't that far off for sort of challenging for promotion yeah I was to be fair I mean actually I went to Cuba with, with Craig Atkin who everyone seems to know all the York fans seem to know him anyway um, the local referee is that, is that yeah, yeah yeah so he's uh, been a season ticket for years and so his flat was above mine in, in York and our partners at the time were friendly as well we all got on well we went over to Cuba on holiday in the summer there was, there was actually Leeds were interested in me I don't know how true it was but I was in Cuba so Cuba's like 
remote to the world. There was no internet access or anything. I couldn't get through. I had to phone someone on like a, on a schedule. So I was trying to speak to my agency what what it was all about. So at that point, I was like, wow, I, I must have been flying. But that, yeah, that didn't materialise anyway. But sort of going into pre-season and the players we'd signed, it was like, yeah, we've got we've got a good chance here. Was that the first time you'd, you'd properly had a rest then? I'm just sort of thinking about it. You said you were sort of playing for free. Yeah, yeah it was, right? yeah. yeah you, you must have been delighted just to get to Cuba to, to maybe draw breath. Yeah, that was really. It was the first sort of opportunity. That was the third season in a row that I'd just finished. And looking back, I'm kind of glad that we didn't make the playoffs because we probably weren't good enough and it would have been an extra three weeks of the season, potentially, if, if it had gone all the way. And we weren't good enough. I mean, I've been lucky enough that I've only won at Wembley. <laughs> it wouldn't have been nice if we'd have gone and got beaten again and that might have left a sour taste going into the following season. So we sort of finished the season on a high in a way. Although we just missed out, we'd done well to even get there or get close. And then going into that next season, pre-season, we looked strong. I mean, we played Sunderland and they went one or two nil up in the first half. But certainly for the second half, we were the team on top and we won one nil. And they were a Premier League side at the time. I thought we looked strong going into the season. And then we started really well and just continued that. Just going back slightly, I mean, you mentioned there about the sort of signings. How did someone like yourself feel when, when Jason Walker signs? Because obviously it's good for the club and it's extra competition things like that but when when the club are, are paying quite a lot of money you're sort of thinking well I want to be the number one striker here and and, and I think because you didn't start the, the first few games of the season what, how do you feel when it's like that because you, you've sort of been bought only a few months before and, and you've ended the season mm. strong how did you feel? To be honest I didn't know how we were going to go so towards the end of the season previous it became quite clear that we looked better in a 4-4-2 and I was one of two strikers with, with Ranks as the other uh, Ranks had obviously left so I thought he'd come in to replace Ranks and we were going to continue that 4 4 or I was going to play as one of the widest. Um, at the time, I didn't know much about Blairy and I didn't think he was going to come in and take my place. I thought it was going to, it, uh, at first, I thought it was going to be me, Ash Chambers, and, and Chase as sort of, sort of the front three. Were you really a bit annoyed when Matty turned out to be reasonably good? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> training, I, thinking, oh, he might. No, I, I wouldn't say annoyed, to be honest, because he, 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 he was decent and he, he came in and did well. And it was something like, I thought that we'd, we'd play like a front two. And then obviously getting into pre season, it was just the case of whoever did well really I probably didn't fit the wider strikers the way we played to start with and then just sort of managed to edge my way in and again I came off the bench to score and that sort of got my season going against Bath. That's actually run nice into my next question because I'd sort of forgotten that kind of not everything in the 2012 season went according to plan because sort of mid-September I think the team was sort of bottom half of the table they got beat at Tamworth and I remember Scott Kerr when I spoke to him on the podcast said that the team had had like a a bit of a meeting without Gary Mills and tried to get themselves going and and that was just before the Bath game and that that was a a pivotal moment moment in the season. I mean you you came on on 85 minutes and scored on 88 minutes and and it was that incredible sort of scissor kick and I just wonder what was that just a natural instinct to sort of attempt that yeah it was to be honest I like to do that anyway um, if the ball sort of sits high is the only way of keeping it down really but yeah it, it, it was an, a sort of a natural instinct in terms of what Curry might have said in terms of the meeting and things like that I remember something but it's very vague we did go through quite a rough spell in fact I think it was Levi playing for Levi scored against us for Alfreton I think around that time as well I think it was just we were just looking to find our feet and the fans were getting on the back of us a bit as well and we were still trying to do the right thing and I think that was it we 
we all knew that we were doing it right and we were doing the right thing and the results would come and essentially that's what happened in the end it just needed that one sort of spark and if that was the case if that if that was the goal that did it then great you started the next game as well away to uh, Wrexham when team won 3-0 yeah. and uh, for me that, that was a very underrated goal that you scored there I mean you, it sort of came into you and you defender on your back and you just turned him and, and finished it really well sort of epitomised that sort of fox in the box was that a sweet moment for you given it was Wrexham I didn't know if that was the first time you'd gone back there since they released you yeah it was yeah and uh, you could probably tell by the celebration to be honest with you <laughs> um, I went a little bit mad but that was more out of relief and a, a sort of a look what you could have won moment yeah. I suppose <laughs> it, it was enjoyable it was really enjoyable and I've had this off Wrexham fans since then it, it wasn't meant in any like the celebration wasn't meant in any sort of disrespect it was more of a gutted with the way it happened it happened and it's all Wrexham as a club now I mean I haven't really got any links there anymore but I mean it's great to see that they're I mean they were close to the playoffs this year and and hopefully they push on now they've got the new owners and, and things so it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't meant with any sort of disrespect it was just it was just, building up to that game that was the game that I first looked up looked for in the, in the fixtures Wrexham mm. away and still one off between that and Chester, my local club. So, and then a sort of few games later, you were back on the bench, and, and I think at times you were sort of seen a bit more of, a, of an impact player. Was, was that quite frustrating at times? Because you, you, you sort of goals to games ratio was was up there with anyone in the league. I think. Yeah, it was really frustrating. I think I got a record for most goals as a sub or something like that, and wasn't really one to be proud of. No, it wasn't something that I liked. I wanted to start every game but it was just the way it was and for some reason I, I did click when I came off the bench I don't know what it was I, I tend to have sort of periods I noticed this myself I didn't really know how to adjust to it so I'd, it'd be sort of four or five games I'd do I'd do well for and then sort of the fourth maybe fifth game I wouldn't maybe perform as well or I wouldn't score and I think I was one of them players that if I didn't score I probably didn't contribute enough to the team and at the time I was very much against Gary Mills and I think it sort of came across that it was like oh, I, I should be playing I was I was disappointed that I wasn't and we had a, a few words behind closed doors about why I wasn't and, but looking back and also now I'm going through my, the coaching pathway myself I can totally understand it and I think Gary Mills is a, is a great guy first and foremost but he was he was a very very good manager and he probably managed me better than I would have managed me because <laughs> <laughs> because he, he got the best out of me so he, he dropped me and then I was raging about it and then I'd go I'd have a point to prove and then score a few goals and then my form would filter off and he'd do the, do the same again and looking back it was probably the right thing to do It's probably also worth mentioning that you're quite unlucky at times as well because I think it's a sort of a Kettering game when, when we won 7-0 you, you scored two in the first 12 minutes but then I think you went off injured at half time yeah. so there were some times where you, if you'd have stayed on that game and maybe got a hat trick you'd, you'd have probably stayed in the team longer it's one of them I got I went to turn and I got I got tackled as I got turned and it jarred my knee and I was desperate to stay on because I wanted to score a hat trick and I probably would have they were terrible that day it was just really frustrating because I think Jace had been out injured at the time and he'd just come back um, so I'd scored two and then I managed to get myself semi-fit for the Telford game and he brought Jace back in so I was obviously frustrated again but again looking back I probably wasn't 100% right and that's how the season went for me I mean February March he got four and six again at a real crucial time in the season equalised against Stockport in that game where Matthew Blinkhorn mm. got that really late goal Grimsby away for that one as well yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, a dodgy, a dodgy over a t- over a kick attempt <laughs> yeah. that ended up setting him up. <laughs> yeah. 
and and uh, Grimsby away where we won three two, you, you scored that. I mean, that's that's one of my favourite all time away games that that I went to. I mean, I thought the team were, were just unbelievable that day. And yeah, that was a good day. You scored though. a penalty against Luton in the F, in, in the FA Trophy semi final as well. I mean, so so you did make some real telling contributions. I mean, what what was the dressing room like around that time? Because because that was a real sort of tense time, and you touched upon it earlier. The fans getting frustrated. I mean, there there was always that real high expectation of of York getting mm-hmm. back in the football league. Yeah. What was it like for the players? And because it seemed like it was a real strong dressing room from the, the players I've interviewed before. Yeah, it was. And there was a lot of big personalities, even though myself, I wasn't experienced really at that level, quite a, a loud personality, whether it's right or wrong, I, I sort of say how it is. And, but it, it was full of them. We had a really good dressing room and it was kind of just knocking them off. I remember the warm-up tended to be the same. And we'd get in like a little huddle after the sort of first initial bit and Chris Smith would just come on next one and knock the next one off. And we just got onto a run and it just became, it just got them to the next one. It, it was just the next one and then the next one. And, and around that time, we I think we did really well. And like you say, we, we, we just kept knocking them off. And just seemed fearless looking back. I mean, like going away to Luton again, you know, always going to be a, a tense atmosphere. And, and I think they scored, this isn't the league game, I mean, at Kenilworth Road, mm. you know, they scored early. I mean, that teams could easily capitulate there and, and come away with a drubbing couldn't they but you yeah. just seem to sort of well, galvanise yourselves as a, as a team and in the face of adversity always come out on top yeah I mean especially Luton Luton's a horrible place to play because you know, like the fans are so close to the pitch and they shout some very choice words <laughs> but yeah and that was the way we were I think it was very much a case of we just we're all in it together. We all got on really well. We had a trip to Ibiza booked in January as a group. We didn't expect, I wouldn't say expect, we, we didn't know what was going to happen and the way it was going to happen. But we had a trip to, to Ibiza booked for, I think it was something like 25th of May. And that was already booked. We always had a laugh. Christmas due was was it was a good laugh. And it was a few very funny days. And, but we just all stuck together. We all lived relatively close as well. That was one thing Gary Mill sort of stressed. He wanted everyone to, to live as close to the city as possible I always liked to go home but it was but that was his way of saying like you need to sort of stick together and I mean like I say looking back it, those sort of things worked we'd all go for a coffee after after training and good group of mates who even now still talk and get on well and we had Pars as testimonial last year we all had a, and for a night out afterwards and it was just like it was no different even eight nine years on and you didn't play in either of the playoff semi-finals but, but you came on in both Wembley games I mean, what, what was it like to play at such an iconic stadium oh it was amazing as I can probably imagine, it's every sort of young lad's dream that wants to be a footballer. And I think it was even better to win. I don't know what it's like to lose there, but I can't imagine it's it's a nice feeling. The buzz of everything. So going down to the stadium, training the day before, getting into the hotel, that whole buzz is just, it's all leading up to the game. And for me personally, it, it didn't feel like we could possibly lose. The other team probably felt like that as well, because that's just the way the build-up makes you feel. And, and then we obviously went on to win the game. It was, it was just brilliant. But yeah, just being able to walk on and say that I played at Wembley is, is pretty special. So. And you must have been pleased with your, your contribution. I know, I know you said you, you were frustrated not to start so many games, but I mean, 17 starts and 10 goals. I mean, and like I said, some of them were really crucial at crucial times. You, you must look back and be really proud of the contribution you made to that side. My goals to game ratio at York was brilliant. I think that's probably why I'd personally class it as my best spell because that's all that I've been about is scoring goals is all I've ever wanted to do I could quite happily stand in the corner all game as long as I could get a couple of tap-ins <laughs> so that's just the way I'm built <laughs> I've got that sort of focus and drive to just want to score goals And but yeah it's nice to have those stats it'd have been nice to have played a few more games I'd like to think I'd have probably scored a few more goals but it is what it is and it ended on a great season so at the end of the day that was all that matters and you, you were sort of I think you were injured at the start of 
next season where you're or in pre-season. Was that a bit of a hammer blow then? It was really frustrating, to be honest. I mean, I touched on it earlier about Gary Mills wanting everyone to stay close. So I actually moved back to Chester. My wife now, she wasn't my wife at the time, but she needed to move home. So we ended up getting a house back home and I was staying up rather than actually living in, in city. So I was staying in a mixture of a few places. There was a, like a farmhouse over towards Tadcaster sort of way and, and at Craig's. Craig Atkins' house as well. He, they, they put me up for a bit. But yeah, I got injured on the last pre-season game. So in terms of pre-season, it had gone pretty well. Played against Gateshead away and done really well, scored a really good goal. And then we played, again, it was Sunderland. And it was the last pre-season game. I came on with about 20 minutes to go. It was like a, it was a really bad tear in my hamstring. I was like peak fitness, peak sharpness, and and then it just ruined it all. Personally, I think I had a good chance of actually starting the season because I'd done I'd done so well in pre-season, and yeah, that just killed me off. And so it was. I think I, I, my first game was Bradford away. Got chucked straight into the team, and it wasn't great to be honest. And, I mean, you did, <laughs> I did start, off start some time. goals, didn't you? I mean, you, you got two in the in the cups again in the cup against Wimbledon, and you got one in the league at Port Vale as well. But and I think you started the next game, and then then you were back on the bench again. Did it feel a little bit like almost like deja vu really under Gary? At that point I mean I mean, like I said though it was very much a case of I'd score a few and then the moment the, the first game that I didn't score I, I was the one that was dropped but I think at the time I probably didn't offer enough compared to some of the other players to warrant playing if, unless I did score because that was mm. pretty much all I was about and I mean, the game's changed a lot probably since then I think I add a lot more to it now as, as you get older you understand the game you understand there's more to it and, but at that time that was my sole focus was just to score and it was like I didn't care what happened throughout the game as long as long as I was scoring. I think it's understandable, but it's not enjoyable. <laughs> you went out on loan to Cambridge and then got got recalled, didn't you, by by Oxley? But which time I think Gary had left and Nigel Worthington was in charge. And I, I've sort of seen you comment before yeah. about maybe you and him didn't quite see eye to eye. Yeah. I mean I don't know if it was both ways. He wasn't a big I wasn't a big fan of his. I don't think I'm the only person to have said that either, to be honest with you. But from my point of view, I think that, and this is my view, he came into York thinking he was better than us. This is this is what I thought. He'd been in the Premier League with Norwich and came to us. I'd been recalled because obviously I was on loan and used that's pretty normal. The new manager comes in, recalls all the players and see what he's got at his disposal. And I came on at half time against Port Vale and we were getting hammered in the first I think we were two or three nil down at half time I got brought on at half time and the, the second half wasn't much different and that was it that was my chance but I think he was just from a personal point of view it just felt quite disrespectful like the squad there had done so much for the club previously over the past few years yeah I know football's fickle and it changes and things like that but we weren't in a bad place it was they were dropping down the table but it wasn't because it was all down to the results it wasn't all down to performances the performances were there it was just a case of grinding out them results in a, in a league that we weren't used to well there was just so many draws wasn't there I mean you're right exactly, I mean, it yeah. wasn't like and, and I think I think we beat Bristol Rovers 4-1 in December and Burton 3-0 in January you know so there were results there where it did click but it just sort yeah. of seemed after Christmas that there was just so many draws wasn't there and, yeah, and exactly. did you sort of know that your time was coming to an end then under Nigel once you know once that Port Vale game had been and gone we used, and obviously so, yeah. you'd said you'd moved to Chester hadn't you that location wise um, I, I knew so when the season ended obviously we'd stayed up I didn't even really give him chance to make me an offer I don't know whether he was or wasn't but 
he brought me into the office and started talking. I said, look, I don't want to stay. So I think that put him in on the back foot in any way. But the, the, the conversation just didn't go any, really go any further from there. I had no, and it, it was nothing against York because I, I love the club, still do now. I love the people I was working with. I just didn't like him and I didn't like the way that things were done. I didn't like what I felt the way the club was going. And I maybe thought that there was better opportunities out there. Didn't quite work out that way, but that's what I thought. I knew there was interest elsewhere at the time. I actually thought Wrexham were going to come back in for me. There'd been a few clubs that made an offer for me at, at that Christmas before I went to Cambridge. There was two or three clubs that had made a, uh, that made a bid for me. So there was Kidderminster, Wrexham and Gainsborough. They were in the Commons North at the time, but they had quite a bit of money. That was actually the biggest offer, to be honest. <laughs> but I was just like, I didn't want to drop down. And so at that point, it was two leagues. They were close to the playoffs with a few games in hand. I mean, they obviously didn't end up going up anyway, but it just wasn't for me. It wasn't about the money it was about playing football at the best level I could it always has been and I can't remember what happened with Rex it just didn't seem to work out or it didn't, they didn't follow through or something and then Kidderminster the, the bid was accepted with Kidderminster and then we just couldn't agree on things and but Millsy was still a manager and I thought I still had a chance. I kind of wanted to stay. My cousin actually came for a night out around the same time in York. He'd seen how I was treated by the people when we were out and about and all the players. And he was like, you're loved here. <laughs> you, mm. you could potentially stay here a long, long time. And so the grass is always greener, I guess. Exactly, yeah. And mm. and that was sort of my thought process. It then went all the way through January. It got sort of midway through February and Cambridge were interested and taking me on loan. So Millsy pulled me and said, look, I think you should go. I think you should take it. And I was like, if that's the way you're thinking, then, then fair, fair enough, I'll, I'll go and see. It, it sort of gets me back in the shop window and playing again. And I mean, Cambridge is a good club and they have some good players and we got some decent results, to be fair. I was only there for about five weeks, something like that. I enjoyed my time. It was, it was far away. <laughs> it, was, it was even further than travelling from where, from uh, to York. But yeah, it was it was okay. But that just didn't materialise. Chester, it, it seemed to me from the outside, it, it, at the time I thought it was a perfect move for you. you, know, you it was your hometown club, wasn't it? You proven goal scorer at the level as well. You'd get more opportunities. Yeah. Why did it not quite work out there? The club was still part-time. And I think that was the biggest issue, really. So although they are a big club, they dropped down and come back up. It was still very much a part-time field to it all it was running a part-time way at the time and it just really affected us going into that full-time environment obviously it bounced up the league straight away which when you've got a decent budget is easily done but I think once they stepped into that full-time environment as a club as a as playing staff and, and management that I think they just didn't react to that very well I mean I did some things that I probably regret social media stuff and things like that but it was it was what it was but I think we got onto that and and, and obviously there was transfer windows to deal with lads had proper contracts which they'd not really had before and it just wasn't managed very well we had a fallout uh, and without going into too much detail I tweeted something that I shouldn't have and he wanted to get rid of me but he couldn't because I was on contract and things like that like I said it, it, I think they struggled to get to grips with that full-time environment being a part-time club and as a club everything was affected luckily we managed, they managed to stay up which was essentially the aim it was just disappointing because I think we probably had the names on paper to do all right maybe sort of finish mid-table and, and we proved that by the, by some of the performances and, and the results that we got Barnet were right up there they had Edgar Davis as manager and we beat them <laughs> well we beat them at home anyway and players we had there we 
there were some very good players and proven players that had done that had done well and just didn't click for one reason or another. And like, to be honest, I can't really put my finger on it. But that's the only thing that I can think of. That that was a, that's the thing that stands out. We were training on a Tuesday and a Thursday night at low intensities, while lads were training at high intensities Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Fridays. Your next move, we, we would talk about sort of distance and location. Was it, it was a little bit of a further trek, wasn't it? It's yeah. South Melbourne, but I mean, it looks like it was a fantastic time for you. I mean, they won their first title since 2001 when they won the league, and you got 12 goals in 25 games. And there's a brilliant uh, YouTube montage of, of all your goals from your time there. And was that sort of linked to when you played out there before, when you had that loan spell before you joined York City? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, the first time I went out there, I'd done well. I think I only played eight games, seven or eight games, and scored six or seven. Something like that. I don't. I can't remember what their numbers were, but I done well anyway. The, that club was desperate to get me back. Every t- every season, they'd contact me, make me a really good offer. I'd gone to York at that point, and I, I was coming, and then gone gone to Chester. And one of my mates was still out there. The what that I went with initially, and his manager or his manager from the previous season had just gone to South Melbourne, and he knew of me because obviously. I was mentioned every year that had gone on since. And he was like, look, go to South because they're a massive club. They're an A-league club that are in basically the league below. The only way I could have put it was, so at the time, this is the way I put it, was like Leeds. Obviously, in the past, were a big Premier League club that just weren't in the Premier League because they were, mm. they'd been mismanaged. So in terms of the actual infrastructure of the club, it was brilliant. And it was it was basically all done through... My friend that was out there, he, he put me in touch with it all. And then once the, the ball started rolling, it moved pretty quickly. I imagine it's sort of semi-pro, isn't it, that level? Do you, do you have to then get another job when you're out there? How does it work, sort of getting a visa and stuff like that? So yeah, you can have a, a working holiday visa. So that lasts you a year. And then once you're out there, it's up to you to sort the next one out or find the contacts too. So I didn't have to work in a nutshell. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was part-time. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights training, usually with a game on a Saturday or Sunday. So although it's part-time, it's still a lot of training. But the way it works out there, the money's fantastic for part-time. So I I didn't have to work. To be honest, I earned more out there than I ever did over here playing football. So It, it was only that you were expecting work you you and your wife that, that you ended up coming back you, you would have stayed out yeah. there a lot longer yeah that's that's it yeah that's exactly it so we'd actually set the ball in motion to try and get our visas to stay I was looking at job opportunities and it's actually what I do now that's how I fell into it and we'd had a really good offer to stay really good it was a no-brainer to stay and and then we found out my wife was expecting our first so it was just it was never going to work once we we had our first scan and it was $300 for that scan we thought yeah, there's no way this is going to work so decided to move home and yeah that, that was the end of that unfortunately and when you came back you, you signed for TNS and you won another Welsh Premier League and you've kind of moved around a fair bit the last few years but including uh, to Ashton United where you came on against York how was that, how did that feel for you coming out at Booth and Crescent again and obviously different dressing room but it must have been special I remember the fans gave you a really good reception when you came on that was really nice to be fair I never thought I was going to get a chance to play there again I'd just come back from rupturing my Achilles and that came about because to the manager of Ashton, I'd always stayed in contact with. And I basically said, look, do you need any strikers? And got myself back to a decent level of fitness. I'd be interested to see if I can still play at that level. Would you be interested in having a look? They were struggling a bit short on players. So I, I probably took advantage of the fact that they were short on players and went in there and did all right. So 
they, they signed me and I mean like I said earlier about the first fixture you look for that was the first one that I looked for like York and as soon as I seen it was I think third or fourth game or something like that I was really excited and booked a hotel <laughs> so we like right we're going up to York took the misses and a few of my friends came as well so we just made an occasion of it and on the day I was obviously disappointed that we lost in all fairness it was just nice to just go back and and actually play and, and get back out on the pitch and I nearly scored and to be honest I think they'd have celebrated if I scored the York fans I mean we were, we were 2-0 down at the time so if I'd have scored to make it 2-1 I remember hearing like the sh- Shippo end and uh, it, was, it sounded like they were going to celebrate if I scored I don't know if it, it would have but it was uh, yeah it was just it was, a, it was a good reception really good reception it was just it was quite emotional to be honest coming on and I was an opposition player and it was probably the best reception I've ever had coming onto a football pitch. And what, one of your highlights sort of in the last few years must have been your time at London. No, I hope I've pronounced that right. Because you, you played in Europe, didn't you, against Gothenburg, I think, in Sweden, Europa League. I mean, yeah. that, that must be one of the benefits of playing in the Welsh Premier League. If you do well, I guess, that you do qualify for, for European competition. What, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was good. Really good. I mean, Landon had just been promoted that season. I only joined in the January because I'd, I'd left TNS. And so I got offered what I do now. I got offered a sort of trainee role in that. And I, I wanted to take that. So and I wanted to go back part time. And Landon had a few players that I knew, a manager that had, he was the assistant at Bangor when I was there. So I was just like, yeah, let's give it a go. They were they were just on a roll. They It was similar to like what I said about us in the 2012 season of York and they got themselves on a roll and we ended up finishing third. That was their first season back in the Welsh Prem and first, second and third gets you Europe and then there's a playoffs as well. And it's definitely an advantage to playing in that league because to be quite honest with you, I don't particularly like the setup of the league, the way it's done. You can end up playing the same team six or seven times in a season and I think it sort of takes the competitive edge out of it. And I think the only good thing about it is you've got that European carrot and towards the end of this season where, where I've just been. It's like there was nothing on it apart from the, for our first few games, that carrot of being in the playoffs for Europe. So yeah, it's got its disadvantages, but that's the big advantage getting that opportunity to play out there and going to Gothenburg and I mean I, I still think about it now the, the actual walking out of the tunnel and the fans they had that it was in Swedish I don't know what they were saying but the, the actual song itself was what I would imagine is their version of You'll Never Walk Alone just remember the hair standing up on the back of my neck as I was walking out the, the atmosphere and the, the feel around the place as we were walking out it, all I had to still speak to about it now it was all say the same thing yeah, it was just something it was a hell of experience it was just something special batted 5 nil, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean when, when you look back on your career I mean I, I know you, you're still playing playing now but but you know 102 goals in Welsh football three league titles Welsh sea cap two cups you know league with South Melbourne playoff wins trophy wins for York City I mean, you know, you've had a lot of success, haven't you, in your career and won a lot of stuff. I mean, there can be a lot of players who play at non-league level or League Two level that, that can play, you know, 15 years and not win anything. You, you must be really proud of some of those achievements. Oh, yeah, obviously. I, I think I'm just lucky, to be quite honest with you. I saw a tweet, actually, the other day from Luke Chadwick. And I look at it and think, I might just be lucky with football. So I've been in clubs that have done really well and they've gone on to struggle since. Probably nothing to do with me, but that's the only way. I feel lucky that I've had those opportunities. I feel really lucky that I've been involved 
in the change rooms and with the people that I have and managed to work with the people that I have. And personally, I've always wanted it probably more than my ability allows. I think I read something Jamie Carragher said once, very, very similar. I'm probably a Welsh Premier League player, wanted it more than some others. So I got those opportunities just for the fact that I wanted it more. And that's the only way I can sort of add some understanding to that, really. Do you have any regrets over your career or anything you wish you'd have done differently? Moving home from York is probably my biggest one. I wish I'd have extended the lease on that apartment that I had there. I genuinely think that if I had of that season may have been more successful personally. I think if that happens, it then leads on to as a team as well. Yeah, that's my biggest regret probably. I wish I'd have stayed full-time longer. Chester fans probably won't want to hear me say that because then that I went part-time with, but I wish I'd have stayed full-time. I, I did have the opportunities. I actually really wanted to sign for Chester. I was so happy when I got that deal over the line, but I probably didn't think about it properly. I probably should have signed for them two or three years later and try to extend my full, my career because I actually went full-time about 18 months after I joined, 18 months to two years, and that probably would have been the right move then. They were more established as a club. That's probably my biggest regret. So one, moving home, and two, falling out of full-time football sooner than I should have because I did have the opportunities on the table and I turned them down. And what does the future hold on it? I noticed that you, you've signed for Prestat in town next season, but also mm-hmm. that you're, you're always out on your bike and you've got some bike merchandise there and, and you, you've been doing your coaching badges. I mean, is it scary or is it exciting sort of with the playing side coming to an end? I think every footballer will tell you that it's, it's quite daunting when you know that it's coming to an end. But I have got a lot of things to look forward to. Like I've just spent, well, the early stages of last week, so four days last week down in South Wales on my A licence and it was brilliant. Couldn't push it enough. I think the way it's done with the Welsh FA is brilliant. They give you sort of that framework to be your own person. It's not like this is how you coach You've got to go into this box and do exactly what it says in that manual. It's a case of this is the framework, work around this, and you can go and use your own ideas as long as you can justify them. It's very similar to my job that I do now as I'm a financial planner and providing the advice I believe is right and I can justify that, justify those reasons why what I would choose a route for a client. It's very similar. The idea's got to be the right thing, I suppose. Um, and that's what I like. So that's what I like about the Welsh FA and, and the way that's been done. I'm looking forward to getting that, to completing that. It's given me some ideas that I didn't even realise were possible. So that that'd be nice to step into to that side of the, that side of the game eventually. But yeah, I mean, you touched on my brand as well. So yeah, cycling. It's something that got into last year and it just became a passion really quickly. I got the bug and, and realised that if you wanted to look good, buy gear that looked good, you had to spend a lot of money. And after a bit of research, I realised that that's not the case. So I decided to create a brand that you don't have to and, and create more of a community than, than just a brand. It's, it's myself. There's actually four of us, but it was me and a school friend that, that started the idea. And it's launched. We've launched pre-orders, but it's launching properly this month. So yeah, that's really exciting to be fair. Some good ventures there. And finally, who were the, the best players that you've ever played with or against? It's a question I ask quite a lot of guests. I think with, and I imagine you've had a few, you've had this guy a few times. I don't know. Andre Bucard, frightening. Some of the things that he used to do in training was, I literally seen him get from one end of the five-a-side pitch to the other and score a goal in a two-touch game. Literally, no one else touched the ball, just him. It was just phenomenal. So he's like touched the ball and like done loads of little step overs and feints and things like that. And he was sending people all over the place and then just tapped the ball in at the other end. And it was like, how's he even done that? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it was, yeah. Is he still playing? 
I'm not even sure he's still playing. Yeah, I kind of looked him up. I, th- I think he played for Maidstone or someone like that last season or Maidenhead. Because I always think it, I remember at Wembley when, when York City had won, he, he, I mean, he was sub not, well, he wasn't even on the bench, I don't think, for Luton, was he? He was just no. sort of there in his tracks. And I sort of thought, you know, it's that move just massively backfired for him, didn't it? Which was yeah. a shame. But I think he's interesting with so many players that played with him regard him as the best player they've yeah. ever played with he was the one that I actually played with the most I mean if I look back to like we touched on that Wrexham team I mean Carlos Edwards was a hell of a player I wouldn't say I was regularly played in the side with him it was if he came down to the reserves or things like that so th- there is some players there that I've played with that probably another level again but that I, like I said he's, he's the best player that I feel like I've had a period of time on the fo- on the football pitch with him yeah and in training day in day out yeah, he, was, he was frightening I'm a Liverpool fan and we as Wrexham played Liverpool quite regularly in pre-season we played them in a pre-season friendly I think we did it three three years in the run but we'd also played them behind closed doors as well so so Jamie Carragher's in there but my favourite because at the time he was one of my favourites was Sammy Hippier and that's one of my favourites there's obviously Gary Cale as well from when he was at Bolton and so yeah they're, they're sort of the, the standouts I suppose but I, oh, I can't forget Robbie Fowler played in one of them games as well I didn't play directly against him but he is literally my hero so he's, he's the reason I wanted to be a striker in the first place Well Jamie, it's been fascinating going through your career and, and, and it's it's been really interesting to hear your insights as well. So I hope you've enjoyed sort of going back over some of your memories. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's always good to, to talk about them. And I, I wish my, my kids could have seen some of the stuff. It's uh, that, That's the only sort of the downside. But I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to, to talk about it. Hope you enjoyed that. First guest of the new series, Jamie Reid there, as voted for by the fans to be the first episode we release. So um, hopefully that made a few people happy. Always a pleasure to speak to anyone from that 2012 era. And Jamie was no exception. Another player who's really refreshingly honest, even saying that Gary Mills was right to drop him on certain occasions. Huge thank you to Kieran at York Foot Golf for sponsoring the episode. Obviously, the sponsors make a huge difference to the charity and as do donations. So if you enjoyed that episode or enjoyed any of the other series and you've never donated before, or even if you have, feel free to do so again. It's justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. No matter how big or small, the, the donations do really make a big difference to us. We need a certain amount of money to stay afloat every year and keep providing the service to uh, patients in York Hospital. And obviously, we'd like to continue to do that for many more years. So any donations really do help towards that. Join us again next week where we've got Alan Fettis, another York City legend that I was trying to track down for ages and ages and absolutely delighted to get him on this series and I wasn't disappointed when I spoke to him. I think his is one of the best episodes we've done and don't want to big it up too much more than that because people uh, don't quite agree with me next week. But yeah, hopefully York City fans, certainly those who, who saw him play and even those who didn't will enjoy hearing his thoughts about his time playing at Booth and Crescent. thanks again for listening and, and thanks again for all the positive comments of the last series series 6 which kind of inspired us to do another series we'll keep doing it one series at a time and your feedback really does make a huge difference to us so, so thanks again and uh, see you next time yeah.